The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Amen. Oh, amen. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. That's helpful. Uh, I'm super grateful to have an opportunity to be with y'all. It's been a long time. Um, it's been a couple years since the last time that I was here. And so um, I bring you greetings from the sunny side of the bay. Um, but it was raining when I woke up this morning. Um, this is how I start all of my sermons. I want to invite y'all to uh, participate. You know what? I see you, and that's how I want you to participate. Give me a nod. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, but you did such a good job. I just want to honor it. Um, so I'm up here, and if you've ever spoken in front of folks or tried to offer your heart to people, you know what? That's not super easy. So if you, um, in your reformed sensibilities, um, you can blink. You can nod, and yes, sometimes that does look like you might be falling asleep, but that's cool. I'm going to receive that as affirmation. Um, if you are really feeling something, mm, you can do one of those. Um, I'm not asking you to do too much, but I'm asking for us to do this together. Uh, because I think that is the gift and the joy, and the joy of being in a room together. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do this, yeah? yeah? All right, come on now, Eric. Hear you, and I like it. Uh, friends, would you pray with me, Lord? Um, we come to you a little tired, a little weary, trying to figure out how to people and church again. So would you meet us exactly where we are? 
And would you speak the words that we need to hear to our very souls? We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. So Fred said that I am a mother of four. That story gets a lot more interesting when I tell you that my oldest is 22, the next one is 10, and then my twins will be five at the end of this month. I'm so going to heaven, just boom, right there. But I have to tell you that there has been nothing in this world that has impacted my faith more than being a mother. I first heard God's voice so clearly when I was pregnant at 15. I prayed more than I likely have ever prayed uh, during the struggle of unexplained secondary infertility where I begged and I pleaded for these new babies, um, waiting for them, feeling them in my heart. Um, every single day, my children, all of them, embody and demand a grace that is beyond me. I am very clear, and sometimes they are too, that it is, but by the grace of God, go all of us. I am exhausted by their constant need and I am also so afraid of the moments when they are not going to want me anymore. Most days I worry that I have failed my children. And then I grieve the ways that this world has failed my beautiful black babies. Our black babies. I pray that I have planted some seeds of truth that they will know in every bit of their body that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. I pray that they move through the world with a fierceness and a sass that comes from knowing that they are beloved, that they are made in the image of God, and that the creator of the universe loves them more than they will ever know. And I think we all can honor and name that you don't just have to carry and birth a child to be a mother. Um, as somebody who has struggled with miscarriage and infertility, I always want to be really honest and sensitive and real that not all of us get to be mothers. And there is also the reality that the people who hold and birth babies are not always the ones who are willing or able to carry the weight of mothering. And in this season of pandemic, I'm sure many of us mamas home with our little people have recognized yet again that mothering was never, ever meant to be done in isolation. And so I just want to say, whether it's coming from your biological mother or your grandmother or your auntie, or your godmother, or your father, or your siblings, or your teachers, or your friends. The power of mother love is transformative. The power of mother love is transformative. 
And as we look at this conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees, I want to invite us to notice Jesus's invitation to mother love. Jesus's invitation to be shaped by dirty, fierce, comforting mother love. So let's just start with the reality that mother love is dirty. Does anyone agree with me? Okay, good. <laughs> just starting point. Starts dirty, and there's always grime. And my daughter likes to touch my face, and there are these smells. Anyway, sorry, I digress. But I do say that mother love is dirty. And you start to see a little bit of what that looks like in the beginning of this conversation. The Pharisees have come to Jesus to give him a message. The Pharisees have become messengers of Herod. And that's a problem. And in this interaction, the Pharisees are the ones standing against Jesus, who is the messenger of God. And, and this isn't the first time that they've done that, right? And I want to try to offer that grace to everyone. And maybe the Pharisees have truly convinced themselves that they just want to help Jesus out. Have you ever told yourself that story? You're just like, no, 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 I'm totally doing the right thing. Like, I just want to help Jesus. And be like, Herod's super scary. You should probably leave. But I have no doubt I really don't have any doubt in my mind that the Pharisees are like, can you hurry up and leave? Because not only is Herod looking at you, Herod is looking at us. And we know who this guy is. So maybe if you leave, he'll stop looking at us and we can just go back to living our easy and seemingly safe and whatever kind of lives. They are saying, Jesus, you got to go. None of us have ever done that, right? We've never asked Jesus to leave because we liked our life the way that it was before. Let's put that over there. But I loved in the song that Jesus is not swayed by their fear. Like there's nothing in Jesus like, oh no. It's like instead of um, the full, uh, there are moments where Jesus is like, woe to you. Right? Like there are moments when he talks to the Pharisees, again, with that mama tone, that you know you are in trouble. Full names, and he is saying to them, you, are, you better get it together. But in this moment, I feel like Jesus is a lot more smooth and gentle as he offers not only a word to Herod, but also a word to the Pharisees. So first, he challenges their cowardice. And he calls them out for being cards. He's like, actually, how about you go back and talk to Herod? Knowing full well that Herod really is the one who kills messengers. So he says, you go back to talk to him. If you really want him to know something, how about you go back? And you tell him, you tell him I have work to do. And it just so happens that the work that I'm doing is the work that the church is called to do. And so I am going to stay here and do your work while you continue to go and be in relationship with empire. Jesus is not 
afraid. And he doesn't let their fear stop him from doing the work of finding the marginalized, finding the sick, finding the suffering. I love that the Pharisees are like, we want to be safe in the temple. And Jesus says, I'm going to go find the ones who are not in the temple. The ones who were not welcomed. The ones who were pushed out because they were sick. The ones who were pushed out because they were suffering. Jesus said, actually, I'm going to go to the ones who never even showed up. Because they knew that you weren't going to be the ones who could help them. So no... I am not afraid to do the dirty work of mother love. The dirty work of mother love that others might be afraid or unwilling to do. Mother love is dirty, y'all. And um, when I think about mothering, even these hen images, does it feel a little sentimental to you? It's like, oh, your mom, like they always talk kind of like this, and they just give you snacks, and they hug you, and they love you. And the moms are laughing super hard, because we know that that tone is only like 20% of the time. But mother love is fierce. Mama bear fierce. And we see a little bit of that coming out. Um, can we also um, acknowledge that mothers and Jesus are also really good at throwing shade? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That comment that the mother offers, you're just like, thank, thank, no, thank you. What was, what just happened here? But Jesus is throwing shade at Herod. You go tell that little fox. And one of the commentaries I read that I loved so much was like, Herod would be super offended because he saw himself as a lion. <laughs> and he preferred to be referred to as a lion. Herod expects to be worshipped and feared, and he uses violence and he uses threats to maintain his power. Have y'all ever met that guy? That fox lion energy. If you haven't, I want to invite you to check in with yourself. Maybe you. Um, but the amazing, but Herod is scary, and he does have power. And when he says, I'm going to kill you, Jesus, that's not like an empty threat. He means it. And Jesus again says, I'm not afraid of you. Will Gaffney, the amazing womanist theologian, says, Herod is actually a family where murder is a casual pastime. Herod's father had killed his own children and wives. That's what they did. And Jesus should have been afraid. It is not crazy to be afraid of people who have the power over your life. That's, that's not crazy and out of bounds. But Jesus isn't. And instead, after telling Herod he's a little fox, he then proceeds to say, and this is where you can find me. In my mind, it goes a little bit like Jesus is like, come at me, bro. Let's have this conversation. Because I see you for who you are, and I know who I am. And I am not afraid of you, because my mother love is so fierce. 
And it is fueled by this need, this desire, this broken heart that calls me to reach out to those who have been lost, who have been forgotten, and I will not be thwarted by scary little men. I see this type of revolutionary, fearless mother love all over the world. Have y'all heard of the Comadres or the mothers of Plaza de Mayo? They're in El Salvador and they are in Argentina and they are mamas who are standing against dictators, who are claiming and demanding that their disappeared children will be honored that are lifting up the names of political prisoners and people who are hurt, fierce mama loves. There are some moms who even wear their children's nappies, their cloth diapers on their heads, standing in the fullness and the fierceness of what it means to be a mother. There is moms demand action, the moms who are fighting to keep our babies safe from gun violence. There is Sabrina Fulton, who was Trayvon Martin's mother. There is Lucy McBath, who was Jordan Davis's mother. There is Dolores Huerta. There is Yuri Kuchiyama, who got arrested with her 16-year-old son when she took him to protest. There are so many revolutionary mothers that stand against empire for God's beloved children. Maybe Jesus actually learned this fierce mother love um, from his own mother who spoke boldly and says, God has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. Jesus has been bathed and shaped by fierce mother love and he is then offering it to the people around him. Mother love is revolutionary and is not afraid of empire. And mother love is comforting. When everything is broken and your heart is broken and you have nothing left, the hug from a mother, the embodiment of mother love can soothe oh so many wounds, yeah? I pulled a quote from um, God Our Mother, the poem by Alison Woodward, which just like gets in my soul and I weep and I cry. And it says, to be a mother is to weep over the fighting and exclusion and wounds your children inflict on one another. To long for reconciliation and brotherly love and when all is said and done, to gather all the parties, the offender and the offended, into the folds of your embrace and to whisper in their, in their ears that they are beloved. When I hear this passage, I relate with the heartache that comes with mother love. The ways that you open your arms, you crack open your heart, and your children don't always respond. I hear the heartbreak when Jesus says, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you are not willing. 
Jesus saying, I want to give you everything. I want to give you real safety. I want to give you real peace. And you keep walking away from me. And to me, that's the gift, one of the gifts of the mother love that Jesus offers. It's an invitation. It's not coercive. It's not undergirded with threats of violence. Herod uses threats and violence, and Jesus says, here's an invitation. Herod hoards, and Jesus says, here, I want to give you all that I have. Herod sends other people to do the dirty work, and Jesus gets up close and personal with people who hurt. Jesus gets up close and personal with death. Jesus gets up close and personal with the messiness of life. Herod is so afraid to lose, and Jesus is prepared to give up everything. Herod won't take no for an answer. And Jesus loves us enough to let us choose and to allow his heart to be broken when we keep walking away. Can we, can we sit with that for a minute? That Jesus extends an invitation to us to be loved, to be loved, to be held, to rest in respite and in safety. That Jesus offers the fullness, the completeness, the abundance of himself and says, I just want to be with you. And the gift and the challenge is that we don't know how to say yes to love all the time. Maybe because we don't know what it feels like. Maybe because we do know what it feels like. Maybe because we're too tired. Maybe because we don't know what we have to give in response. And Jesus says, can you just, can you just show up? Can you just be here and let me love you? And I think that's a part of it. And I think the other part that is hard for us when we try to accept Jesus' love is when we recognize yet again that it is for everyone. And I know we love to say, like, no, 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 we really want everyone there. But do we really? You giggle because you know there's some folks. You're just like, if you, oh, are you getting some too? But when I think about this imagery of the hen... What I hold and what I hear is that there is enough space. There is enough space in the warm darkness of Jesus' care. And we're not held by ourselves. And sometimes that's why we want to leave. We want it all, like, I just want you to love me. Oh, you love them too? Like, does that mean you love me less? Four kids. Have you had those conversations, friend? Like, which one's your favorite? Um, my 22-year-old, her favorite thing to do is to scroll my Instagram and see how many photos I have posted of the other children. And then she just starts texting me photos that she's taken of herself 
so that I can post them on my Instagram so that she can know that she is loved. And we laugh, but we know that. We know what it feels like to want to be seen, to be the only one, to feel the fullness of the embrace. But can I tell you, Jesus' embrace is big enough for everyone who needs it, who wants it. And in that moment where Jesus is holding us together in love, oh, it gets real hard. Because in the love of Christ, with the others who are receiving the love of Christ, you know what we're called to be? Seen. In the fullness of who we are. We are challenged to see others in the fullness of who they are, but covered by the love of Christ. In Christ's mother love, we find ourselves so up close and personal with people that are afraid. And to be honest, maybe people that we are afraid of. And in Christ's mother love, we are invited not just to receive and to take and to hold on to, but to share because there is enough for everyone. Um, I am grateful. I, I hope y'all know her, um, Cole Arthur Riley, of uh, the Black Liturgist, lifted up um, a quote from Bell Hicks, and yes, I have it in my pocket because I don't want to misstate anybody's words. And it felt so important to name the power and the necessity of love in community in this season of Lent, right? And Bell Hooks says, I am often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. That's not any of us, right? None of us are just using Lent to make sure we like save a little more money or eat a little bit healthier, like reduce our carbon footprint. All of us, right, are thinking about the ways that Lent doesn't just call us into deeperness and deeper places of ourselves and our faith, but actually deeper into community. Um, as I was looking, there was a really fascinating, I just did a search because I was looking, I was like, okay, Lent and self-improvement. And can I tell you the first five sites Using Lent as a tool of self-improvement. Get your life right in 40 days. Pay. I was like, oh no. And these were church folks. The fierce, dirty, beautiful mother love of Christ is an invitation to be transformed in community. To not just take and take and take, I don't know, like Herod, but to open ourselves up to not only receive, but then to share. I think a lot of the time, if we are honest, we find ourselves like the Pharisees. On one side, there is something that should scare us, and it does scare us, and we are afraid. 
And on the other side is this offer of love that actually seems too good to be true. On one side, there is violence and pain. And on the other side is care and community. On one side is force and a demand. And on the other side is choice and invitation. I don't know about y'all, but I wish that I made that decision more quickly. I wish it wasn't as hard as it was. I wish I didn't spend so much time looking back and forth as if those two options were anywhere close to being like on par. But we do. In those moments where we are looking back and forth, I invite you to claim to be held, to be shaped, to be emboldened by the dirty, fierce, beautiful mother love of Christ. That love that Jesus offers that challenges us to face our fears and then to live into our God-given identity and call. That mother love that Jesus offers that makes us throw our shoulders back and stare down empire. The mother love that Jesus offers that invites us to be in and shaped and changed by community and to remember that in Christ's love, there is enough. Friends, would you pray with me? Most holy God, that you, the creator of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth and everything in it, that you love us feels ridiculous. It is too much. It is too hard for us to fully hold and know and take in. And yet, you keep on offering to gather us up, to gather us with the people who also need to be loved to gather us up with no expectation. God, would you help us to rest first in your love and then embolden us to share it with the whole world and all of your beloved children. In Jesus' name, amen.